Generally Speaking, About the Church, podcast episode number 81. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the About the Church podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And my name is D.G. Hollums. This is the podcast where we sit down and talk about anything and everything you could possibly even imagine as it relates to the Christian faith. And we do it from a, a perspective that's very genuine, real, and honest, and we may not always agree but we're always together, united in Christ. That's right. There we go. That that's, <laughs> that's starting to slowly becoming a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of our shtick. Our shtick. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. We went to PodCamp Ohio um, this past week. This or not past week. This last Saturday. Yeah, this weekend. And uh, this weekend, and uh, and everyone everyone that was there that actually listens to this podcast, they were commenting about how much they love the fact that. You know, we're gonna we're probably gonna disagree on something theological, you know, in the room here. But then we just go out and eat lunch together. <laughs> yeah, but, and, and that you know, it's just the, everyone just kind of they they're blown away by that in some cases, but other ones are just like, I love that, I love that part that you know that here are two Christians that control the world that we disagree with one another, but we still love one another, we still care for one another, and exactly we still believe in the same God and follow the same Jesus. Indeed. And you know what's amazing is I was actually, I visited my dad, my real dad on Father's Day, and he lives with my great aunt. And I'll tell you, she's, I will honestly say that, you know, if you you hear people talk about Mother Teresa and how much of a, you know, well, saint that she was yeah. and, and <laughs> is now, but anyway, uh, but just when her life devoted to Christ and just the love and compassion that she had, and you just hear so much about her. And if there's any person on this earth that I've ever met that I would say has the godliest attributes of any other person I've ever met in my life, it would be my great Aunt May. And uh, she's the most devout Catholic I've ever met. Uh-huh. And uh, she's got she's got a rosary that, you know, if she was to hit, hit you with it, it, it hurt. <laughs> she's got these big honking bead, uh, wooden beads on them. Anyway, but I, I love that woman, and she and I were talking because she, of course, knows that I'm a member of the Protestant faith, and and uh, she she sat there. And, were you ever Roman Catholic? No. Okay. Right. No, no, not at all. So you're not going to hell? No. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm not well, going to hell. Through, if you've been through catechism and then you literally no. don't go, you know, don't no. go there and don't you know, no, join the church. Then? No, I went to Catholic school though. As a child, right, okay. but never had any of that. I, I went to all the religion classes that were required and prescribed right, right, right. by the I mean, education. And, and I have seen some rosaries, literally like each the beads, uh-huh. and I would say that in quotes with my fingers, the beads are, are literally the size of like softballs or baseballs. Yeah, I've seen some massive, massive rosaries. Yeah, this it's huge. But anyway, um, just really godly woman, and, and she's starting to get um, a case of Alzheimer's. She's 95 years old now. And we went over this or this week, and she must have said this. She must have asked me what religion I belong to, you know, 15, 20 different times. And, of course, trying to explain to her non-denominational, you know, and, and yeah. it, that we're not a part of the Baptist or anything. And I said, well, if if there's anything that would kind of summarize, it's, it's somewhere between a mixture between a Baptist and a Nazarene and 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 she goes, she goes. You know, the Baptist and and the Catholics, they don't hate each other as much as they used to. 
<laughs> and about seven minutes later, she would forget that we had that conversation and we would have it again. And that's awesome. It's like, uh, and it's, it's just God's way of reminding you. Yeah, it, it is. And, 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 but that, it, it is true though. It is true that Catholics and Protestants used to have, and, and, and I, and I explained to her, I said, listen, I, I, unfortunately, I still know some Protestant pastors that, uh, pretty outspoken against the catholic church yeah i did just go to south america anywhere in the world over down there and and you're going to find some major major hostility between uh protestant and roman catholic yeah big time yeah but i i don't i maybe it was my upbringing the fact that i went to a pentecostal church and a nazarene church and and the methodist church and all these other different places that i visited and took part in their vacation bible schools and sunday school classes you know, Protestant everything, except for the fact that five days a week I was in a Catholic school going to Mass on every single Friday and taking religious cla- religion classes in Catholic school. I, maybe it's just the fact that that I had that experience, that, that I knew Catholic folks, what they believed, and and learned so much from them and found that, you know, sure, there's some there's some things that we disagree on, but... For the most part, what's what are these what are the essentials here? And for me, right. the essentials are God, creator of the world, Jesus Christ, his you know, God's son, uh sin, you know, born into sin, uh penalty of sin is death. The sacrifice of God was his only son who came and lived a sin-free life, died on the cross for my sins and rose again, bringing for forward an opportunity for me to accept his gift of salvation. I mean, every Catholic I know <laughs> that is a devout Catholic believes that. Sure. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, and of course, there we go. <laughs> so I, I have nothing against the Catholics. I, I, I don't understand oh, a few no. things, but, uh, but yeah, anyway. No, I, yeah, of course. I mean, I got tons of Roman Catholic friends or, you know, and I, and I, and I've always, um, <laughs> Professor Ace is dealing with those nuns in Catholic school prepared you to deal with DG. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's hilarious. Those nuns in Catholic school were. Yeah, because, man, I walk around with a ruler and I'm slapping hands. So if I see you, I'm slapping a hand. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Now, now I, um, yeah, of course. I mean, I grew up in West Texas, man. You know, you were either Baptist or Roman Catholic um, in West Texas. And so here are these, these, these small little Methodists in the corner over there. <laughs> like, hey, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Like, what are you? We're like, we're Methodists. They're like, you don't look like us. And neither one of them said that. You know, they're like, or, but, or some of them are like, you could kind of look like us. Yeah, I've always said that Methodism is, is kind of like the mutt of all the denominations. It's like, for those people who are Baptist and Catholic, they get married, their middle ground is Methodism. It's like, oh, we'll go to the Methodist church. We say some things in church that sounds like the ones that we did in the Roman Catholic church. And yet we, we preach like the Baptists. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's just kind of a, Whatever else, and just I knew I, I love being a Methodist because ninety percent of the time we're like the mutt denomination. <laughs> yeah, and see, I love not being associated with any one place <coughs> and and anything. It, it's it's like I follow Christ, and that's who I follow. Yeah, you know, John Wesley had some great teachings. Yeah, and if you think that I follow like that. John Wesley, you're sadly mistaken. <laughs> um, but if you think that I I completely agree with uh, a lot of the theology and how he understood who God was, then yeah, yeah, I'm proud to be that. (laughs) 
Very cool. Well, uh, DG, before we go into the topic that I want to bring in and, and, and stuff like that, you had mentioned you left a teaser at the end of the show last week. You wanted to talk about something. Uh, actually, you you mentioned one thing, but I know you want to talk about two things. And I, I know that you – let's talk about this new marketing campaign that you've been oh, yeah. been uh, sharing with me I'm over you reminded time. Me. <laughs> is it what is it? Ten thousand doors or yeah? Um, I'm don't. Oh yeah. Well, the, the United Methodist Church basically is starting a brand new um, advertising campaign, and uh, and I thought it's kind of a cool. It's basically just says um, it, it's called like they're they're calling it Rethink Church. Okay. And the website for it is ten thousand doors dot org. And, it, and the, the, the slogan is, what if church wasn't just a building but thousands of doors? And um, it says, what if church wasn't just a place to go on Sunday but helped you have a place to go on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and stuff like that? And, and so what they're doing is they're basically just saying, hey, I think that the church is more, so much more than just uh, going into a worship service on Sunday mornings. That the church is is um, you know feeding the hungry and helping those with AIDS and buying the nets uh, to be able to stop malaria and you know and all kinds of different stuff all over the world. But it's also community gardens and small groups and uh, AA groups and you know it's just it's just kind of talking about that that it's so much more than just what typical Christians think it is as well as what the rest of the world thinks the church is. And I, and I would put it in the terms of it's it's I, I see this as them trying to focus a, a more kingdom perspective instead of a church perspective okay uh, on stuff even though you know it's just what if church of course are using the church language but mm-hmm. to me what they're what they're trying to attempt to do is to be able to have a little bit more of a kingdom perspective and and um, we are the people not a Methodist church helpers healers listeners and much more um, so this is anyway this is their big huge campaign this is their uh, their advertising campaign. The previous one was the United Methodist Church, open doors, open hearts, open minds, or something like that. You know, it's all these open things. Uh, and I think they're kind of sticking with the whole door understanding. Mm-hmm. And so they just went on with this one. Well, but the, the thing that, the, so I, number one, I think it's great. I think it's, I, I don't see anything in there I disagree with at all. And I, I actually would encourage it. The frustrating thing is, is if someone is new to Christianity or new to the United Methodist Church and they want to go check it out, I think they're going to go to this website. And they're going to be like, "Oh, this is awesome!" They're going to they they actually help out in the community and they want to support uh, the communities that they live in. And, and they're going to probably walk foot, you know, walk into that church and say, "Hey, I'm ready to go," you know, feed the homeless and stuff like that. And ninety percent of the churches are like, well, "What are you talking about? We just we just come here to worship on Sunday mornings." You know, yeah. it's like come back to Wednesdays. And then what I so what I've been telling everybody in the Methodist church is. Dude, if this what what I'm hoping that this does is actually educate the church that this is what you should be, not only what you think you are right now. This is what you should be and could be, and then you know, and and, and then then we wouldn't actually be disappointing anyone and everyone who ever actually stepped through those doors. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I just I just I wanted to throw that out there to you and ask what you and the people that are listening what you what do you think about this slogan? What do you think about this? Uh, do you think it's good or bad? I'm, I really am not trying to promote the Methodist Church here. I really am just trying to say sure. here's the denomination that's attempting to be able to deal with how uh, Christianity is kind of changing and, and looking differently in the, in the world we live in. And not looking differently, but just focusing on a different aspect maybe. Um, well, so anyway, I just thought I'd throw it out there. Here, Here's my initial thought. First of all, um, 
my first thing is when I look at 10,000 doors and it says, what if church weren't just the building, but a thousand doors? I am a huge proponent of not focusing on the building. Uh, as right. we have discussed multiple times, I, ab- sure. I actually belong to a local church that does not own a building. We meet in a high school auditorium on a weekly basis. And throughout the week, if we want to meet together as a church, we have to do it somewhere other than a church building. Right, and sure. we we intentionally did that. It's not that we don't have the finances for it or anything like that. We've intentionally not... Um, we've intentionally chose not to have a building. Now, with that being said, I once used to be a little so fanatical about this idea that I hated and despised the idea of having a building. And I'm not against that. I've, I've been wrestling with that and I've been thinking about that and I'm not opposed to large churches, small churches, uh, huge, gigantic, ultra mega churches. I'm not opposed to any church out there, but I am opposed to the focus of the building as being the church right. like you know when people right. say i and i and i have to watch this when i tweet and stuff like that i try to never say hey i am going to church well technically speaking i am going to go hang out with other body members of the body of believers so many people associate it's like where are we meeting at tonight for our meeting oh well we're meeting at the church I'm like, okay, so, but where is the church meeting tonight for that meeting? Are we meeting at the campus that we own? Are we meeting at, you know, Panera Bread? I mean, where, where is right, the church right. meeting? And, and, and so many times we get messed up with that. And, and, it, and it's not, for me, that's not just being, you know, stuck on words. It, it's, it's just a mindset of everything we do happens at this place. And I love the fact that, you know, hey, the church doesn't, you know, people, so many people, and this is something that really bothers me in the church, is invite your friends to church. Invite your friends to church. And what they mean is <laughs> invite your friends to the weekend celebration that we do together as the church. Well, right. because yeah. primarily that's the only time we get together as the church. But, you know, invite <laughs> your friends to that. And and that's the door. You know, that's the door. That's how do you get into the church? You walk in the door and that's where it's at. And so when I hear 10,000 doors, it's like, listen, the doors of our church isn't the only way to participate in our church. Right. And I love that communication. Hmm. All right. But here's, and, and, and I saw Nation uh, type this in our chat room, and, and I even heard you slightly say it there, is I don't know that the Methodist church is ready to advertise this to the public. Right, exactly. I think this should be an advertising campaign from the main headquarters of the church to the church. Right, yeah. I, I think I think that this needs to be, you know, top down all the way. And and the, basically, I, I'd, I'd say, OK, does everybody sign on with this? Do you guys understand? Do you comprehend this? And what what are you guys doing that demonstrates this? Right. You know, and then it's like, OK, once once we have rolled out the full, complete understanding of how we are rethinking church mm-hmm. and what we're doing, then. Okay, now let's advertise what what's available, what this church is about. Right. But you but I totally agree that you can't just have a fancy website that looks a little, you know, you know, it it's entered into the 21st millennium and it's got a Twitter ID and a Facebook and a dig icon and sure. Facebook Connect all hooked up and Is it yeah, it's got Google Friend Connect in the bottom down there. Yep. It has a Google Earth location needs around the globe. If you go to the very bottom right corner it says go do. Which is, I think that's that stuff. It's really that stuff cool. Is really cool. They're get they're getting it, but 
<laughs> but but DG, it's I, my worry. It really is a huge worry. Like, hey, I'm really worried that, and and they're doing the best they can. I really honestly think they're doing the best they can because, like, if you do the read or the listen, then here are like you're going to hear stories of Methodist churches that are actually doing these things. They're realizing that you know the doors that they are actually providing people to be able to go open are you know at a skate park or uh, with people that are dying of malaria and AIDS and. And, you know, and, and dealing so, with all these issues and hunger, and, and so here, here's what I would say: whoever's behind, who is this? The official church that's behind oh, yeah, this? this is, then here's what I would do: I would say, uh, location finder, a church that has this style of of ministry. They have that. It, they do, and yeah. so if you pull it up, I'm going to be able to find a church that is living this out. Yeah, versus if you click just on, if you click on find, uh huh. Then okay, fine. Then it says, "What are you looking for?" And it says, "Advocacy arts." Camps and scouting, care and action, and then you type in your zip code and you highlight which those those things that you want, and then you say search, and then okay. it'll actually tell you churches. Now, here's the deal: That's... you're depending on churches to update this themselves. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> and they're and they're like begging everyone, like, "Hey, please tell us what's going on and what we can do and stuff like that." But they're attempting to do that. I mean, they really. I mean, this is. I don't think that they're doing anything wrong per se. Um, and this is, you know, a neat, a neat idea, but still, though, it's just. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to question you, and, and Professor Allen, and you asked what, what the folks in the chat room think. It says, yeah, of course. But it says, but doing social media badly can be worse than not doing it at all. And, he's, and he kind of proposes that as, as a statement, but also as a question. And, and I would agree that, you know, right. you, you don't get in, in social media, you don't get too many opportunities. Right. I, I don't think they're doing social media wrong. Okay. You know, the social media part, they're doing spot on. Okay. I mean, you follow them on Twitter and follow, I mean, they're all that, all it is is just like, it's a constant updates of like what's going on in, you know, around the world as well as what's going on in the Methodist church and how Methodist churches are actually doing these things and living out these, these doors, these open doors. Um, that's weird. But, um, what's up? Oh, I, oh, I didn't like that. What happened? Where? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm on 10,000 doors. I clicked the Twitter link. And so I'm thinking I'm going to go look at the Twitter profile instead. It's uh, it's basically an automatic tweet post that says, "Hey, everybody, add this," and here's a link. And if I and if you click update, I, I'm assuming. And let me just take this this bit.ly URL. Yeah, I was gonna say find it first. Yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> post it, but um, and and then of course it just brings you back to this church or right, to it, the website. It brings you back to the site. I don't like that. Um, that that Twitter thing should take you to well, a Twitter profile right, instead of I, I, I making agree. you post there. Um, and let me See click on. Does. Yeah, I'm looking at Facebook next. It's the same thing. So so it's posted, pasting, posted yeah, to your profile. It, that that's not good. I don't like that. What's this other one? Friend feed. Yeah. No. The, no. The other one's dig. Now oh, dig, dig. That makes sense because dig is always yeah, your dig digging stores. It's, yeah. it's it's a site about sharing. But no. I so so where's their see. Where is their um, Twitter profile? You know, there's no, I don't see a link to their Twitter profile well, then. May, maybe this is their way of saying, hey, we suck at Twitter. We're doing the best we can to send anybody over to the so website. So you say that they're not doing social media badly. Well, it's because I'm following another Twitter that's United Methodist Communications. Like, oh. I, they do have other Twitters. It's just not the 10,000 door one. Okay. That's what I assumed that it did. And I, I didn't ever click on yeah, it. Yeah. But that makes sense, doesn't it? I think no. that makes complete sense. Okay, listen, listen. If you yeah. have a, a one person that's typing or even a one organization that's typing in a whole bunch of stuff and you're worried about what everybody reads, what everybody says and stuff like that, 
then you want to send them to one single location. And that one single location is that website for all the information and things like that. Okay, but that's I, not. What- I, I can see that it there. I I see that as them saying, "Hey, we're not going to screw this up. Right? We're just going to say, hey, just go back to this website because this is where we're going to spend all of our time and our energy is on this website.'" All I'm saying is is that when I see a Twitter icon that's a square that says "click here" and it's going to take you to our Twitter profile. Now, um, if, if you put it anywhere and it says "share this on Twitter," I'm totally cool with that. Right, which right. is what that should say. It should say share this on, you know, share this on Twitter, share this on Facebook. Sure. You know, dig this site. Uh, but but when I click that, it, sh- it should take me to a, a, a Twitter profile. You asked for my opinion. Just no, no, that's good. That's good. I'm just looking. Uh, Facebook connect or uh, um, Google connect. I haven't had much interaction on that. But uh, yeah, I haven't yeah. either. And it has like a bunch of comments that you can be able to read. Like people are commenting on there. Yeah, let's take a look at that. 33 comments. Let's see what people are saying. There's a lot of talk about matching the tactics <laughs> to the community. Awesome. This has opened a discussion about something or other. This one says, I'm a new church pastor and I've been trying for about a month to get my church on to find a church. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a section I haven't found yet for someone looking for a ministry position? <laughs> this is all church people. It's awesome. <laughs> this is a perfect example of why I was like, eh. I fellowship with Vietnamese community leaders without translation uh, courtesies, and I can't quite persuade them to really learn English, and they lose many op- so many opportunities that could be important to them in American circles and opportunities to provide Americans many values in their culture. Only their children really become bilingual. What does that have to do with... Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That was a comment on somebody who says, working on an integration in our church. No church leaders who are Hispanic in town. That is 93% Hispanic. Rethinking church is a concept we need here. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. I'm 78 years old. I have been challenged by the needs of people for change and equal opportunity in mission work and travel. I have seen all types of culture and religion and have longed for better mutual understanding. Here's my thing. I think this is a great campaign for the Methodist church to the Methodist church. And, And that's what I've, that's what I've said to everyone is this is what needs to be told to the Methodist church that, Hey, you should be doing these things kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But whether it's you know whether whether it's actually happening is a whole other issue. <laughs> oh, now, Nation says, unfortunately, the video uh, for what if uh, what if we rethink church undoes a let's see here undoes a lot of modern concept here on the website. It's uh, it's back to cheesy music and graphics, so frustrating. And as a young, what's UM clergy? United Methodist clergy. So the video, I didn't look at the video. Did you look at the video? No. <laughs> DJ, you come here to share your site and you haven't looked at the video? Dude, there's like 17 videos in there. Oh, is there? Yeah. I, if you I do the watch, saw. then you're going to, you, they got oh, 30 or 30 or 40 videos in there. All right. So let's see here. I'm going here. I'm looking for the video. Where's the video? If you do watch, find the word that says watch. All right. Okay. Watch. So let's take a look at one of these. Watch. Which one is it? The black college CSI class or the yeah. free health clinic or the church crosses border? I'm going to check out this black college CSI class. Okay. So let's check this out. Invalid parameters. <laughs> Video not loading. 
Let's try. Let's try a church reunites that Iraqi family. Here we go. And voila. A long journey brought Imad Hussein's family from Baghdad to Denver. Okay, so they've got it now cut. They speaking in University Park one ear and your left. Church. Oh, yeah. And the audio from the video on the right. With no desire to convert. When you have people... Audio in your right ear. ...and behaved with you as Man. a human being. Yeah, they can hear this. Take care of the stranger in our midst. That- Imad was targeted by Iraqi militants who kidnapped him. <laughs> That's Where are they? <laughs> he escaped to the U.S. Oh, my God! Tell this guy to get out of my left ear. <laughs> okay, okay. Is he behind me? Is he spitting on my neck? I don't know, DG. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know either. That's the reason I mentioned it. Veggie Tales comes to mind when he says, you call this a multimedia uh, presentation? It's a slide projector and a bed sheet. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, okay, we we can move on. I mean, this fine. I just I, I I think you completely agree with me. The idea behind it is spot on. I think the idea it's is great. Great. It's a the the thinking behind it. You know, the rethink church. I love the ten thousand doors idea. I love. But uh, and hey, it's the that, implementation as far as a website sucks. I never expected it to be anything else. And it's not too bad. I mean, I've seen a lot worse websites. I, no, I no, I've seen worse websites, but. And it, and it shows me that the, this is a. It seems like a bunch of old people that are trying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does it make sense? I mean, they're just. But no, I, I, don't, I don't. You know, I'm right there. With I th- you. I think this is okay for for a, a campaign to reach the people in your who are already United Methodist folks. That, right. That's. Right. I think that that it, it's okay for that. But I love that. I, I would love for. I would love for. Uh, normal people out there too to be able to think. Oh, okay. Well, maybe the church have is ever, more than just a building. Have you ever been to? Oh, wow, that's turned up a lot. Okay, so church, have you ever been to the site churchmarketingsucks.com? Yeah, the guy who does that I spoke at with uh, in, in Columbus. Oh, okay, cool. I've heard I've heard about the site. I've ne- I've I've glanced at it I think once in the in the past, but really haven't done anything. Well, this else is with the it. guy. This is the guy that when he spoke. I mean, and this, he's a great. He's a good friend of mine. I really like him a lot. Um, but when he spoke, he was basically just saying, "Hey, this is the way you do projectors. This you know uh, slides and projectors. This is the way you do websites. Please stop sucking when it comes to your marketing <clears throat> understanding." And then I get up there and say. You should forget about all that stuff. You should just develop relationships with people. <laughs> all those things are just icing on top of the cake because you should be developing relationships with people and loving I, them and caring for them. I, I think you're both. I think I think you're both right. I, I, I think, but I think it's going to be much more effective for viral marketing to be through relationships and meals and food than to put all that money towards an amazing website or put all that money towards an amazing PowerPoint presentation. I disagree. I disagree. Here, here's why I think that. I think that in today's culture, um, web presence is means a lot. And having and and the thing is, is if if, if I said more effective, okay, I did not say it was. You should throw it out. I said it's more effective to have meals and relationships. There's with no question you ever would. Yes, within a website, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I a, a web a website's not going to win somebody, and it's not going to it's not going to develop a relationship of trust. I absolutely agree yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. However. You still need to not suck when you develop a website. I'm right there with you. I completely okay, agree. <laughs> that's fine. S- send twenty thousand dollars over the next couple months to feed homeless people and and shelter them and all that stuff, but don't sit there and hire somebody and say, "Listen, the o- we can only afford two hundred and ninety bucks for this website design." Right. Exactly. 
You see what I'm saying? <laughs> oh yeah. You know, know. It, right. spend spend two thousand, three thousand dollars on your website. And you, but there's there's creative ways of doing that. You can find an amazing web designer that's in college that's looking for a portfolio to fill and pay them two to three thousand dollars. Well, yeah. Well, you can do that if you want to. That's fine. But you would it wouldn't even have to cost you that much. <laughs> well, I will tell you, I've seen a lot of those those websites that people don't pay for, and they suck pretty bad. Yeah. It. <laughs> It all depends on who you're hiring. Yes. But I mean, you know, I I knew a lot of people that were really good designers in college, web designers in college, and they would have built a website for, for, for 300 bucks in a heartbeat. And it would have been great. And And that's the reason is, is because you're providing for them, you know, a portfolio to be able to fill for whenever they graduate as well as to, to help them to try. See, I don't think the church needs to necessarily always be looking to, to, you know, to find the cheap way out as well. I'm just saying, you know, whether you hire somebody in college or whatever, pay them what deserves to be paid is is my my thinking. Well, I don't on disagree. That. I I just think that everyone's strapped for cash. Yeah, and I guarantee you, if it came down from a church deciding if they're going to keep the lights on and the electricity in their church, or paying two thousand dollars to be able to have a great website. That church is going to choose the electricity, sadly. <laughs> yeah. I'll clarify that. <laughs> they should stop paying for electricity. And actually, I know a few churches that have. Um, and, if you, you know, can't, if you church. can't, if you can't pay and put the keep the lights on in the church, it's time to sell the church. Exactly. And go building, ra- the building. The building. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> I know. You see, I know. yes, you're right. I even, <laughs> I still fall into it. You're, it. It's time to sell the building. You know, right, you right. can't afford to keep the lights on. It's time to sell the building. And, uh, and 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 meet each in each other's homes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know that that's my feeling there. But anyway, um, yeah. And what and somebody said it, they said that it's not just the um, it's not just the design of the website, but it's also the upkeep. And 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 that's right. Today sure. today is all about dynamic information that that's always right. up to date and relevant right. to today. You right. know, tr- I here's the thing. All right, I'm, I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna say something that most people don't share their ignorance as much as I do. And I'm just going to be transparent and authentic with you guys. Sweet. I have been way too busy to completely understand everything that's going on with this Iran election. Right. Sure. All right. I, I have not ever since I've heard about it, I have not turned on CNN or Fox news or any other uh, news station. I have not picked up a newspaper. Uh, I am just completely, completely 100% Oblivious, other than the fact that there's lots of rioting going on, and there's a there's it's over the results of an an election that went awry, and I've seen some some YouTube videos, and I've heard that it might be the people of Iran who are fighting for democracy. That that's all I've heard, and uh, and and I haven't had time. But you know what? I would love to be able to do is I would love to be able to turn to my church's website, you know. The, right. the the website of my my community and have like a little letter or a blog entry that that explains what the church leadership in our in our community uh, thinks about what's going on. It's like, hey, have you heard about this? Here here's two or three paragraphs about the the about what's going on. Here are some implications spiritually and blah 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 and and stuff like that. Right. And here are some ways that that you could think about this. Here are the you know different. And, and this is what we think, you know, and this right, is what sure. we're praying for. Right. I would so love that to be, you know, it's like that. That's how I think uh, that's how churches should be communicating. You know, it's yeah. it's not just Sunday morning. And, and it's like and then I and I don't want that to be I don't want to go to and hear that during the sermon time. 
Right, right. You see right, what right. I'm saying? Yeah. But I would love to hear my pastor's thoughts on these things and, and to mm-hmm. go and it'd be a place that I think I can trust for at least um, uh, at least one perspective on on some of these things, mm. and the th- other thing that I was thinking about, and I told you that I'm I'm interested in maybe starting a, a podcast in the future where it, it's about trending topics. So, and not just any trend, like you know, right, right. three words after sex or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But but taking like some of the top trending topics over the last seven days, and, uh, like on Twitter, like like, the twin, on, the like on Twitter, story. exactly, and say okay. Here's these here's these topics. Let's let's talk and what are these topics? Why were they trending? What's important? What's going on with swine flu? What's going on in Iran? What's going on with Apple, you know, yeah. and AT&T? Yeah. It, it would be interesting to say, you know, and and have somebody research and say, "Listen, okay, so I went and researched this and that would be me, interesting." Now you got me interested on the on the, on the trends and I want to look it up. Oh, to see what's on. Yeah, sorry, keep going. All right. So anyway, um, and then of course, uh, um, Jonathan's putting something, a link in there to Willow Creek, the 2009 highlights. And if, and, uh, I think that's just something he was showing me earlier. That's just the leadership summit. But anyway, um, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying is, is information from the church, websites, all that good stuff. Moving on. You want to talk about multi, the, the fact that the culture is changing or the, the makeup of the church. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, man, they are, they got, yeah, that's true. That's true. What? <laughs> I'm, well, I got so excited about this stuff. I forgot all the other stuff we were going to say. We're going to talk well, you, about. I want to get the um, things you want to talk about first and well, then we'll me, get to this. Let me bring that. I got I to, I need to find the websites for that stuff. Okay. Uh, really quick. I'm sorry. I just, man, you're, you're bringing up a lot of cool stuff. I ran election, Ed, Ed McMahon passing away, John and Kate, Transformers two, Paris Hilton, Wimbledon, Tehran, Neta or Neta, uh, iPhone AT and T. Gotcha. Right now, so. <laughs> okay, I've got to remember this guy's name. And by the way, for those of you listening, those were the top trending topics on Twitter right now. Yeah. <laughs> um. Um. So so basically, DG shared last week something about a statistic, uh, saying that that in in a couple years from now that people who are minorities today will be the majority down the road. If I'm that, uh-huh. that's what yeah. I heard anyway. I think it's prof raw. There it is. Prof raw. Okay. Soon Chong raw. Soon Chong raw. Right. And, um, <clears throat> you can go to prof com to be able to find out more. And how do you spell prof raw? Uh, P R O F R A H. All right. P R O F R A H.com. Yeah. All right. So anyway, this I'm is a, this is a guy in Chicago, and and he's a seminary professor um, that uh, is Korean, and <clears throat> and I uh, just went through puberty, and <laughs> he's Korean. He's Korean. <laughs> and he wrote this book called The Next Evangelism. I oh, know evangelicalism. Gosh, not the next the next evangelicalism, and um, and so just part of the, the the main part of the book is basically that. Um, the the Western Church has become so uh, so white dominant uh, Western kind of a church that in tw- what did we what did we say last time and <laughs> I forget, I don't have the quote with me it's like twenty twenty four everyone under the age of eighteen there's going to be more 
than what we call minorities, which is basically non-whites uh-huh. uh, in the U.S., then there will be whites. And then by the by the time of 2042 or something like that, 2040, then the entire country will be – the whites will be the minority Okay. Um, and, instead of the other – and so he's basically saying we need to take a look at the way we do church and the way that we are church and ask ourselves, is this stuff primarily only for whites – only in a way that that Western white Americans uh, are comfortable with worship, and how can we be able to be more understanding of the kingdom that includes all of these different ethnicities and cultural backgrounds, um, and and see the kingdom as much larger than just that one way or that when that one comfort of. Are we talking about church. just worship style? No, I, I think it's a it's about it's I mean, worship style is a part of it. Yeah, I mean that's a given, of course. But it's just it's prayer, it's it's worship style, it's preaching, it's um, uh, living it out. And 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 he actually lived in a, he actually grew up in a um, a Korean church. Okay. Um, and of course now and then he went on and he was a part of a much larger uh, church after that too. But but I just it's 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 just a really really interesting thing for me to be able to take that understanding and say what does that mean for the church in the West specifically. Um, and he and, and the, if you read the chapters of his book, man, I mean, they're like, they, it's almost like he's picking a fight. Yeah, <laughs> I really do think that sometimes. I just don't know, DG. I don't like these people that write books. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can trust those books, people. <laughs> DG talking about reading somebody's book. Uh, you know, it's but it's just it's just interesting. And we 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 interviewed this guy for the Praxis podcast, and that's one of the things I've got to do this week is to get this podcast out. Uh, on the Praxis podcast, but uh, but it was just it was a really really interesting uh, interview that you know that that I did with this guy or that we did with this guy. So so I I don't understand it. So basically, so Hispanics, uh, Asian Americans, you know, they're going to be the majority in the United States, and North American Caucasian folks like myself and you will be in the minority. Is that what you're saying? Correct. And, yes, that's and what, he's that's saying, what he's that, saying that that's going, we need to think about how we do church. I, aren't we, th- don't we need to think about how we're doing church regardless of who is out there? I mean, does race really play a card in this? I mean, I, I'm my initial thought on that is just like, what does race play in this? I mean, why, do, why are we thinking differently about how we would, I mean, worship. I mean, we worship with, the 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 styles of the people who come and and say hey i feel led to 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 bring my gifts and talents of worship into this body of believers and so if somebody comes in and they have more of a um a hispanic flair to their leading worship which by the way um and it's and he was not hispanic he was south uh he was from venezuela and and from what i understand it's different than Hispanic, but uh, anyway, when when well, I, still Hispanic, probably not Mexican or Puerto Rican or something. He, like that. he said uh, he said I'm not Hispanic though. He he was very clear that he says I'm not Hispanic. I'm from South America, and but anyway, it, hmm. for him, he did not want to be called Hispanic. But anyway, he was from uh, Caracas, Venezuela, and he came to the states uh, for study. He was at uh, Cincinnati Christian University, and he we brought him in. To, to lead our worship, and our worship changed as a result of his different background. 
Right. Now, by golly, he played some of the more, you know, the, the contemporary worship that's out there. But he also brought in a lot of his flair. And I mean, he brought in people that played, you know, the congas and, and all kinds of other stuff. And so the worship, I think I think the the worship service will will automatically, if all of a sudden we have a higher percentage of non-white people, then whatever culture they bring with them, that's what it, it'll automatically adjust. The question is, is are we reaching out to people different than ourselves? Well, and the whole automatically adjust thing, how in the world can it automatically adjust if they don't feel comfortable worshiping with us? And we don't invite them to come into well, that, worship with us. What I mean, did I just say? Whole thing That's is what just, I just said. But the whole thing is based around, uh, you know, like the whole, what's that one quote that everyone says? The most segregated time of America is Sunday mornings. Uh, between nine or whatever, 10, 11, and 12 or whatever else, because that's when all the churches are meeting, and that's the most segregated part in time of, of, of America right now. And it's because the churches are, are, are those places that those things are actually occurring at. And it's, and he basically just kind of says we, we need to actually throw off these chains of Western culture, blah, 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 blah. I, I don't understand. I, I, I don't know. I, I, what I What I think we need to do is we need to throw off the chains that keep us from loving and serving one another unconditionally, regardless of how we look and feel and stuff like that. And and you know, I've I, I've seen it even before. I attend a church where, to be honest with you, I'm I'm not comfortable with the style of worship we do in our church. It bores me to tears, and it, and it's music that, quite honestly, there sometimes it just it, it the the this it 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 it's not pleasant to listen to. Right, and sure, it's like. Sure. And and it's like Stephanie says, "Are we gonna come on? Let's get out to." It's like, how about we get there when the sermon starts? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, That's you so go funny. on in, babe. I'll be in a little bit. <laughs> I'm gonna smoke a fake cigarette out here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna breathe a little bit more air before yeah. I walk in. But, uh, but I don't. I, but I don't feel like I need to go in and have them right. change it to to right. fit my desire. I mean, I have a desire right. for a different style of worship, but I go and I am, I'm a member of this community and, and I'm a member of this body of believers and, and I, I love those people. I serve those people. I work alongside those people and, right. and, and professor Allen says, it's not just worship cliff. Uh, it says how much of our theology, individual based relationship with me and God, personal Bible reading, solid, you know, uh, it's going to say solidarity. I can't get that word out. <laughs> Yeah. Quiet time is just part of our American rugged individualism and not biblical. Um, and, yeah, and, I, and, I, and that's what I'm really – I think that's what he's talking about too. It goes so far beyond just worship style. It really is like why do we do the things we do? And I think we need to ask and, ourselves those things regardless of whether or not we're going to be the majority or minority and reaching. We, we need those – we need to change those anyway. Well, I understand that, but they're not happening. And we have not had those conversations and those talks. And th- but what he's saying is, you better hurry up and have them because you're just going to just find yourselves in the corner, just like like Korean churches do right now mm-hmm. uh, in America. And they're and you know, so I'll go join a Korean a, church then. That would be awesome. And that's that's why I, I don't I I don't know I don't know I, I I'm I'm thinking through this. And I'm trying to understand. The, I, I'll listen to your interview with with him, and and you actually yeah. the Professor Ra is that the, who? Yeah, yeah, Professor Ra. I asked him if he wanted to be known as Doctor Ra or Professor Ra or whatever else, and he said, "Yeah." Pro- when when do you Ra. think you'll have that out for our listeners? I'm going to do the best I can to get it out today. Okay. I mean, that one's actually done. It's it's completely done and edited. I just have to write the show notes and put it out. Okay. Well, um, I I will listen to it, and I, and how about we come back to that next week? 
That's cool. Because then I'll at least have a little bit more of an understanding of where he's coming from. Right, I'm trying to find what he's saying. At one point in time, like when we, like when we met the when we talked the last time, we actually had uh, I actually had like the first chapter of the book, and now I can't. Oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah, found it. Okay. All right. So here, listen to the titles of his book. Okay. Okay. Uh, Number one, individualism: the heartbeat of Western white cultural captivity. Okay. To consumerism and materialism, the soul of Western white cultural captivity, racism, the residue of Western white cultural captivity. Now, part two, the the pervasiveness of the Western white captivity of the church. Does it not sound like he's like picking a fight? Well, see, that's why I'm saying that church growth. I'm already automatically turned off by right, and that's that's why you really that's why you really need to hear the, the the podcast interview because. You know him as a person. He's a really cool dude. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, I, and that's one of the things that we always do in the practice podcast. We always ask him, well, "Hey, as an author or as a speaker, well, how do you get misunderstood the most?" And here's an opportunity to be able to address those things. But then it goes on. It says the church growth movement and mega churches, the emergent churches' captivity to Western white culture, uh, the Western imperialism, the cultural imperialism of the Western white captivity to culture. Um, and then in part three, freedom from the Western white co- captivity of the culture of the church, suffering and celebration, learning from African-American and Native American communities, holistic evangelism, learning from the immigrant church, which would be Korean, a multicultural worldview, learning from a second generation. And so that's and that's what his basic premise is, is basically just saying, hey, there are parts of the church that truly are uh, we're capped. We're we're truly being held captives to the Western white culture. Uh, within the church that's found in the church and it's the same idea of like way way back when like whenever i was in santa fe i don't know if i tell you the story or not but when i was in santa fe there was a lady who came up to me and i was planting roses in my front yard and she was a big gardener and she walked up to me and she goes well those roses look good we just started having a conversation Did i tell you this uh-uh. and then i said well tell me about yourself what's going on who are you and and she goes oh well, my name is so i won't say her name and then she said um um I love everything, but I, the only thing I can't stand is Methodists. <laughs> That's literally what she told me. And she said, because I am a half Native American, and my great-great-grandmother was converted by the Methodists to Christianity, and they forced her to get out of, you know, to leave the tribe, to dress like them, to act like them, to sing like them, and to, you know, to everything else like that. And, of course, and then I told her, well, I'm a, you're not a Methodist minister. <laughs> you know, it's like, sorry about that. I didn't, I didn't do that. <laughs> you know? But it was, but I mean, that's, that's even way, way back when, I think we're dealing with some of those issues. Yeah. Now they've actually come to the, to the top, you know, the, the cream is rise to the top here and we're dealing with the cream um, yeah. and, and having to, and having to understand what that is and, and look at that. And I think that what his challenge is, and I think rightly so, that it is a challenge. It should be a challenge, and it should force us to say, "Whoa, what have we done? Unknowingly, unintentionally done uh, that could be harming the kingdom as opposed to helping right. the kingdom." And, and I used to be a big guy that just said, "Hey, well, of course, African Americans are going to worship with African Americans. That's what they. That's what they like. That's what. That's who they are. That's a good thing. That's it's. It's good to be diverse, but it, I think that we have done the whole diversity, like big celebrating diversity." With a with a complete lack of 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 community in the midst of that too, that you know we are one still, and yet I think we put too much of an emphasis on all that diversity, keeping it diverse. Let's be diverse, but let's also be uh, one in with one within one family. 
I want to read two different things that are in the chat room right here. And if I've, I figured as soon as I said that, it would uh, scroll up. So let me see if I can get my mouse to yeah. scroll it back down. <laughs> no, I noticed that. You're like, and no on. Yeah. All right. So uh, basically, and, and and this is kind of like where, where my thought was here. So you had Professor Allen uh, in the chat room says his point, meaning the uh, prof- Professor Ra. Anyway, he says right. his point is that the way we do church is so influenced by suburban white America culture that we don't even notice it. And then Jonathan Nation comes in. He says, I suspect that the Korean churches are so influenced by the Korean culture that they don't notice it. And that the black churches are so influenced by the, by a specific culture that they don't notice, notice it. And right. African American culture, uh, you know, right, you, black church, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So basically you could go on and on and on. And, 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 and I do notice it. You, you try to take, our way of doing church into third world countries and you try to make them all white suburban white american churches right. and it just doesn't work out the right. way that that maybe you think it should right and i think and, there's a big push maybe about 50 to 60 years ago and might even be sooner than that to be honest with you i'm not positive about this that that anthropology does matter when it comes to sharing the gospel in other countries and mm-hmm. and we've we've learned that that hey maybe the most effective thing to do is to be able to go and eat with them and live with them and you know be with them to even get to know them to even know how in the world you could be able to express uh, who this Jesus is and and what what his life was like and stuff like that. So yeah, and and so this comes. To, I have a question. And and, and uh, KY Jeeper, my friend Ben says, um, you know, what about the the idea of one body, many parts, and the fact that you know we we do have different denominations, we do have different this. You know, are we all individualized and separated and segregated? I mean. Uh, I don't know. I, th- th- these are good questions, good things to wrestle with, and and I'm I I know that in our church uh, we are not all white Americans, so it, it's just that's just not that's a simple fact that it's not in our in Watermark Community Church, the church where I was before. It was not well. You know, that. It, it's 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 more than just their presence there, Cliff. Though it, it really is I'm talking it's, about the influence of of right. their culture. Well, that, and that's cool too. I mean, and that and that's and that's what I'm saying is is you know because I know a lot of churches that say, oh, we're multicultural. We have the token you know black yeah. family and the token uh, Asian family in the corner. And you're just going, what the? That's, <laughs> how dare you even call that multicultural? I'm not calling our church multicultural. Well, when's the last just, time that you? I mean, who all who, is it? Is it more than just blacks that mm-hmm. go to your church? Yeah. Is it Korean or whatever else? Uh, there, yeah. yeah, there are. Um, When's the last time they prayed in their in their in their in their native language? I haven't seen them pray in their native language. And just, I mean, those are kinds of but, things that I'm kind of talking about. When, when when somebody prays in the front of the church, aren't they supposed to be? You know, we're we're coming together and they're leading us in prayer. And how can I? join them in prayer if they're praying in a language that i don't understand if there's not a translator well sure. have a translator that's fine i mean just live into their culture that's okay. what is, that's what i'm talking about is how do we as a church live into the cultures that we find that we are instead of expecting the culture to be the culture that we always grew up with and i'm you know and it's but like i said it's so much more than just worship style i think that it's kind of kind of we have a tendency to go back to worship style uh and it's it's so much more than like one of the things that he was talking about was just preaching in general is pretty Western white. Um, he said, um, and he was trying to think of like creative ways and how you could be able to do sharing the gospel that was not dependent upon language. What is a way that we could share who Christ was through photos and through, you know, through music and video that was not, that had nothing to do with actual words, words. And, uh, and he was saying that there was really interesting research actually being done around that idea is, is saying, 
what if the sermon was a, a series of photos and music that didn't even have words attached to it, that you're reaching, you know, much broader group of people, but that was effective at, at being able to share, you know, and I'm saying, when I say reach, I'm not saying convert. I'm saying just people connecting with who this, with who this Christ mm. dude was. Anyway, just stuff like that. I just think it's really, really interesting. And I, I wanted to bring it, uh, bring it up. So let's you want to move on. To the last no, I, 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 I'm interested in, in thinking, I'm going to listen to that podcast because I, I really want to hear a little bit more. But judging by the 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 titles that you just read to me, I, it's like, man, gosh, he seems to be harping on this thing a little bit. Well, and that's the other thing too, and that's and this is when I asked him in the podcast too. Is you know sometimes if the seesaw is so far to the left and no one even recognizes that it's to the left, sometimes you have to you have to go overboard on the other side just to bring a balance about. Mm-hmm. And I asked him if he was doing something like that, if he thought he was doing something like that, and, and so yeah, it's it was a it was a good it was a good podcast. Gotcha. I will listen. Cool. All righty. Um, well, I wanted to bring up what uh, my friend Rob and I have been talking about. He he and I got together and had a really awesome time in our our prayer and accountability time. We had kind of fallen off for a couple weeks and and had a ninety nine or had a ninety minute conversation last week that just was really awesome. And I will tell you, it, it's it's it was it sparked a great conversation because we were both talking about how far we've come when it as it relates to accepting other people and people who disagree with us and and really having an open mind and and stuff like that. And and I hate he hate to even bring this one back up, but it was specifically related to homosexuality. It just happened to be the instance that we were talking about. Okay. Uh, okay. So, and, and more specifically, not just homosexuality, but somebody who's homosexual and who considers themselves to be Christian, you know, that they, they right. call themselves Christian and, and, uh, you know, and just what is God laying on our heart as it relates to how do we interact with these people? And, and we even, you know, we started talking and, uh, Anyway, it it just came down to the discussion of, you know, well, are these can can certain people who do things that are not that are, that seem to be contradictory to scriptural outlines of Christian behavior, can those people or should those people be uh members of a church or a local body? Uh sh- should they should they be able to associate themselves with the quote unquote the church? And then of course the conversation says, well, you know, well, gosh, Cliff, you and I, we do some things. We have some personal flaws and character flaws, and we struggle with sins. Things that are clearly out, you know, things that are that are outside of what is scripturally appropriate for for believers and those who consider themselves to believers. And I'm saying, and I'm like, yeah, and that's why you and I get together on the phone each week. Right. Or, or at least try to each week, uh, and you and I talk, and we have a time of confession and and accountability, and we allow each other to speak into each other's lives. For example, you know, if if you're saying, "Hey, I'm doing this," I'm like, you know, that, gosh, Rob, have you really thought about this? Because you know, I'm I'm thinking that maybe that's not what God really would have us to do or something. And we, we, and it's not that I just lay that out there, but we've, we've put ourselves in a relationship where we've given each other permission to confront each other on anything. And, uh, that, that's, that's the kind of prayer partnership and accountability that we've had. And I said, but in our circumstance, sure, we struggle with sin, but we don't say, you know what? This isn't a sin. 
You know, we we don't say we don't we don't say. You know what? I've prayed about this, and God's pretty much okay with me having sex with uh, you know my secretary as long as my wife's cool with it. You know, yeah, yeah. we 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 just don't do we don't it's we more don't relativism. Yeah, it's just yeah. So so yeah, we we might struggle with a certain thing, and and we feel guilt. We feel the. The shame of it, we feel conviction of the Holy Spirit, and, the, and by the way, guilt is not from the Holy Spirit, but guilt is from the from Satan who has tempted us, and we went through and, and carried it out. And but we wait, f- wait, what did you say? Guilt was, oh man, so turn and burn is bad? No, is no, that, <laughs> just joke. I had to throw it. Guilt, I had gu- to give guilt is up. guilt is bad because guilt says fear is okay. I'm, guilt is bad. No, I didn't say it. <laughs> I'm just joking. I, I, I do want, no, I want to clarify this for people who, who are listening who haven't heard this. Uh, but <laughs> guilt is, guilt says, I have failed. I'm miserable. Right, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm no good. Right. Okay. Guilt says, it, guilt is, I beat myself up. Conviction says, what you're doing is wrong. Change. Right. Stop it. You okay. know, yeah. go sin no more. It's like, right. what you are doing is wrong. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Stop it now. Conviction. That's conviction. And that comes from God. Okay. Guilt comes from, I believe, guilt comes from Satan. Okay. All right. Or at least God would desire us to to sense that conviction and, and to repent. And okay. and uh, Satan would certainly love us to wallow in our guilt and shame and right. and give up. All right. So anyway, but I say, you know, I say all that to say that, you know, here we consider ourselves, we call ourselves brothers of the faith. Mm-hmm. You know, we call ourselves Christians and, you know, sure, we struggle with sin, but we confess it. We understand it. And and sometimes we do it willingly, but but at least we recognize that this is something we struggle with. You know, we're not out there proposing that it should be. Good. So and and so we're talking about it's like, well, what about somebody who is clearly living a lifestyle that is that is so opposed to, to what Scripture says? Do you allow those people, like for uh, you know somebody who is, uh, let, let's just say somebody who, um, well, I don't know, let, but let's re- let's read the Scripture because yeah, I said because yeah, yeah, we were talking. It's like, well, gosh, Cliff, we we are we're allowed into the church and we mess up and and I'm like, yeah, but there's that thing that Paul wrote to that Corinthian church. Do you remember? And he's like. And he asked me what I was talking about, and I'm like, and I shared it with him, and then it's like, wow, you know, and it's some pretty heavy stuff. So I'm, we're going to turn to First Corinthians chapter five, and it's uh, verses nine through thirteen, and I'll read it real quick here. It says, "I have written to you in my letter to not associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters." In that case, you'd have to leave this world. But now I am writing the, writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy, an, indul- an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. What business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. Okay. So basically what what I said, what Rob and I were talking about is that, you know, when we are in relationship with people who do not consider themselves Christians and they are living 
lives that are not in alignment to scriptural uh, prescriptions of what God considers to be uh, appropriate for those who follow him. Um, That, you know, we ought to love them. We ought to care for them. We ought to serve them. But those who who say, you know, I follow Christ, I am a Christian, I want to align myself and be recognized as one who follows Christ, that the Bible here seemingly says that, you know, we shouldn't even be, we shouldn't even associate with these people, we shouldn't even be, you know, don't even invite them over for dinner. Right. Well, and, and, and honestly, he's, 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 he's talking more, Dinner, yes, I mean, should not eat with them, but he's also bringing about the understanding of the Passover meal, which is the the text right before that, 6 through whatever, 6 through 8. Mm-hmm. He really is kind of giving it a, a Passover meal kind of understanding. So don't even let them take into the take in of the religious gathering and practices and and stuff. It, well, Passover is so much more than just a practice. But sure, yeah, sure. I, mean, I mean, it's, it's yeah. Uh, it, it, ultimately, yeah, it's it's just basically talking about you know here is this Passover meal where we are reminding ourselves of of, of how God has saved us um, from Egypt and you know and, and all those different things like that. And yet here in, in this in this meal, like if you go to a, like a really really traditional hardcore Jewish seder meal right now, mm-hmm. I mean they they will take out anything that's leaven <laughs> out of their kitchen, like take anything out that's leaven. Uh, well, that would cause a lump in the bread and stuff like that because they had to leave. You know, it's just a remembrance of how big of a hurry they were in at the time period. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's so it's it has understandings of like of of the Passover meal as well as just eating with someone. But like, like this guy actually, Tom Wright in his commentary, I really like this one. He said, "But if you believe, you know, they sacrificed a lamb and put the blood around the wall, blood around the door, and then if you believe that Christ was the ultimate sacrificial lamb." That every meal is now a Passover meal, mm-hmm. and so and so so that would agree with what you were talking about. With anytime you even eat, don't even bring them in to eat. Right. So yeah, that's that's true. Keep going. I'm sorry. I just yeah, so, I just wanted to clarify so, the whole meal part. So my my thinking is is and and this is where I came to to understand is like you know first of all the idea of do not associate with somebody who considers themselves to be a believer. Um, and, 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 and lives, you know, completely, um, you know, saying that, you know, this is not a sin or whatever, and, and that I'm not going to change or anything like that. I don't think that you immediately like just drop in and say, Hey, you know, I'm no longer going to associate with you. You're gone. You're dead to me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's, it's more along the lines of, you know, Hey, go to them, pray for your brother. Or, or sister, um, you know, pray for them and, and talk with them, earnestly plead with them. Mm. And, and, and if it comes down to it and ultimately it's like, listen, okay, you know, it, it, it's obviously clear that, that you just don't see a problem with, you know, with whatever the case may be. And, and I, I, I the, we were talking about homosexuality, but it, I mean, even greedy, it, somebody who's an alcoholic, somebody who is clearly an alcoholic, I mean, just, absolutely drunk 24 7 you know what i'm saying right and there's right. like listen you know eat drink be married god's first you know jesus's first miracle was uh in cana of galilee where he basically turned the water into wine and it was the good stuff man and there's nothing wrong with drinking and, and the bible clearly states you know don't get drunk which leads to debauchery and and stuff like that and right yeah and and you know nowhere in here does it even talk about homosexuality 
Um, it does actually. It says sexual immorality. Oh, really? Where's that at? Um, do, 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 do. I'm sorry, I didn't even read that. Yeah, I have. Do, do, okay, I have written to you in my letter not to as- associate with sexually immoral people. Yeah, this translation just says immoral people. Okay, and then it says, uh, and then it also says who are immoral in a, in a later part of this. Right. Yeah, I just I really wonder about the whole sexual immoral part. If okay. The, if this entire well, translation let's, let's doesn't just, have the the word sexual in there, immoral means basically uh, against God's, you know, a, a sinful life, right? Yeah, yeah. It just says so. Sexual immorality would be a portion of morality immorality. Yeah, but I mean, putting the emphasis on sexual, like what oh. most churches do. Well, that, you're the pulling reason, out the homosexuality is worse than all the other ones. No, this this put this ranks uh, sexual immorality right up there with greedy and swindlers and idolaters. Right, right, right. I understand that, but I'm just saying the the sheer fact that that translation decided to put sexual in front of it <laughs> is is interesting to me. But anyway, that's fine. Oh, it's don't be um, not all meaning the immoral immoral the immoral of this world or the greedy, the robbers, the idolaters. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's 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 a challenge to to think that well number one i think that he's not talking about people outside the church uh, the, he's not talking clear. about people who yeah absolutely I mean, and i think that's the main what what he's mainly doing here is saying hey let me clarify what i wrote in that previous letter yeah <laughs> you know and he's and he says i didn't of course mean immoral people in the world at large or greedy people or thieves or idolaters to avoid them you'd have to remove yourselves from the world altogether like you know they're they're gonna be there you know you don't even worry about doing the judgment part of the people who don't claim that that Christ is, you know, their God. Right. And so I think that's a huge, huge aspect to it at all. And you've, of course you said that I'm just reiterating it, but yeah, I think that um, it's, it's one of those things. So it's, and I'll just read the last part in this one uh, commentary that I thought was really, really interesting. Um, so the church must see wickedness for what it is, a cancer, which will spread if it's not cut out at the first sign. He said, once again, we can imagine the howls of anger at such a suggestion in today's church. <laughs> Quote, unloving, intolerant, judgmental. And he says, uh, Paul might well have answered, is the doctor unloving or judgmental when he or she tells you that you must have the operation right away? Um, do we want a doctor who tolerates viruses, bacteria, cancer cells? And if we say that the moral issues Paul mentions in verse 11 are not like are not like diseases, are we so sure? Do these things build up a community or destroy it? And so, you know, it's just basically, I think it's basically just saying, hey, you know, hey, this is Christianity. And it actually has some things that are involved in it that that break down community, that hurt the community, that hurt the church. And do we want to let those things continue? <laughs> it's just... You know, it's it's uh, I, and that's and I really liked that that understanding of the whole, you know, almost like a cancer, almost just just like, hey, are we here to truly care for one another and love one another, or are there some things that are going to be destroying us altogether? And I guarantee you, it, you know, I've seen it happen in churches all over the place with a, a, a liar that's involved in a church. Man, it, you want to talk about dissent and dissension that occurs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I've heard of so many churches with one rumor that gets started because someone gets mad at the pastor and says the master had the pastor had an affair with the music director, or the youth pastor, or whatever else, and you know, and it literally rocks that church to the foundations. And uh, and if you allow those, you know, those greed, the greedy people, the adulterous people, the 
the liars or whatever else to be in the midst, then it's going to be just destroying the, the community. And I think that Paul is basically just saying, hey, and, and, and by the way, if you, if you decide to be a part of us, here are the things that we hold true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you don't like those things, then you don't have to be a part of us. Right. You know, it's not my desire for you not to be a part of us, but you don't, it's ultimately, I'm not going to force you to be a part of us. And I think that's, and a lot of Christians though, they read this sadly as, you know, we're going to judge everybody, not just ourselves. Right. And that's, you know, that's, that's just sad. Yeah. The the one thing that I, I guess I, I struggle with understanding of this is the, those who, who are not convicted of of what they're doing as being wrong. So somebody who is the drunkard who drinks but don't think that they have a problem. Right, exactly. You see what I'm saying? Well, sure, yeah. I just have a couple drinks, you know, and right. and Or or you would hear like in the world you'd hear today, oh, you're 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 being intolerable, just like you know what he said in here. Right. You know, he was just like, "How dare you? You're so judgmental and unloving and intolerant." Right. Um which is so funny because those are those are words that most people would have against Christians that are not Christians. <laughs> right and i you know and, I, and I'll, I'll um the that one video that we were watching um when we were going to pod camp and uh she was talking about the history of the church and and she was talking about um those different things is she's actually written a book and i can't remember the name of the book right now but it's basically talking about another not another history of the christian church but just some stories that you probably haven't ever heard of and uh, it was really interesting when she said what what the difference between Christianity, like when the real true change happened, was when we stopped being the empire that was killing Christians and it started being Christians that were killing Christians. Yeah, and um, you know that brings to light this passage. You know, really, really large uh, brings to light. Going, man, what's going on here? Um, how do you love but speak the truth in love? And how you know how do you live in that balance between? truly caring for somebody but also saying let's be honest here you're destroying the community and we're not cool with that yeah and that's that's a huge that's challenging and that's that's huge too and and i think it's also important to to understand and and this is where i was going with that is that sometimes people need to 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 be allowed to work out their salvation i guess if you will uh and what i mean by that is that Mm. you're not convicted of all things at once you know that that I, I know God has you know worked on me until finally I gave in and, and I, I've repented of that one big huge vice that I had and only to recognize that oh my gosh I've I've been doing this you know and, and it's like I didn't even know I was doing this and yeah that's not good and and so there's another area for me to work on in my life and I'm sure that there are still even more and so what yeah, I'm saying yeah. is that I, sure. I so so I think that it's important not to just Say you know because you can you consider yourself to be a Christian, but you're doing things that God has convicted me and has clearly in my heart said that's sin. Right. I can't because I'm wondering if I personally can can take what I consider to be sin and toss that onto them because God says in another portion of Scripture, hmm. one day what don't don't judge those who eat meat sacrificed to idols. You know, because and he says, listen, one person considers one day more holy than the rest. The other one considers every day equally holy unto the Lord. Right, right. You know, don't pass judgment on others. You know, take the speck out of your own or the don't try to remove the speck out of your brother's eye when you got a big, huge, gigantic lump of uh, wood in your own. 
So, yeah, I mean, there's that. But then there's also in the leadership of the church, you say, okay, this is definitely a cancerous cell, regardless of feces or not. We need to confront in love, and that's exactly, where yeah. you were at. Right, right, right. And it's like, let's see if we can't do something about this. Right, yeah. And I think it's also making sure that you're not doing these things individually, that you're actually doing it as a community yes. and say, can, can we take this, a larger picture at this and say, yes. how do we love this individual or these people or whatever else? And I think individually, we need to we need to err on the side of love. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely, because ultimately, judgment stuff is, is God's that's God's job. I don't yeah. want it. <laughs> well, folks, we have 15 seconds. Pray for another church in your area. Please. Twitter.com slash Argon52 and Twitter.com slash GSPN. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.